Here's the new Cold War podcast with Edward Lucas. This is the new Cold War podcast with Edward Lucas. The pandemic has punctured illusions about China. As I wrote in my column for the London Times in April 2020, far from prosperity bringing democracy, Beijing's grip is tightening at home and menacing us abroad. We need a strategy, and quickly. The dream is over. For two decades, the conventional wisdom has been that China's economic rise comes at no or negligible political cost. Indeed, it was argued prosperity would bring democracy. The pandemic has laid bare our mistake. First, the death and destruction caused by the coronavirus stems directly from the deceit and bullying that is the hallmark of the Chinese Communist Party. The authorities have given no real clue to the outbreak's origins other than to quote conspiracy theories blaming an American military delegation that visited Wuhan in October. They've silenced brave local doctors and journalists who tried to give warning of the danger. And the mainland regime's obsessive desire to make Taiwan into an uncountry meant that the World Health Organization, supine towards Beijing, ignored the offshore Chinese democracy when, on December the 31st, it sounded the alarm, telling the UN body that something more than pneumonia was spreading in Wuhan. Remember, by then there'd been 104 coronavirus cases in Wuhan, including 15 deaths. In mid-January, the Chinese authorities were still denying that there was any clear evidence of human-to-human transmission. Worried about losing face, they let a huge festival go ahead in Wuhan that drew tens of thousands of people. Earlier action could have forestalled the global plague, and we're all paying the price for that. Worse, the Chinese leadership is moving into the vacuum left by the United States, accelerating towards Xi Jinping's goal to be the world's most powerful country by 2049. Not only has China dodged blame for the pandemic, it's taking credit for dealing with it. China paints itself as a true superpower, confident, capable and generous, and demands gratitude for its efforts. At home, it highlights stunts such as the rapid building of 10,000-bed hospitals, although they are actually prefabricated quarantine wards. And abroad, it practices face-mask diplomacy, the provision of lavish shipments of medical supplies, though they're often substandard or actually dressed up commercial shipments to hard-hit countries such as Italy. More's to come. The poorest countries in the world will be the hardest hit by the pandemic. China's squeeze on them will tighten further, with the promise of new infrastructure or debt relief in return for political compliance. In the People's Republic of Amnesia, the journalist, now academic, Louisa Lim, wrote the definitive book on the state-sponsored policy of wiping out memories of the massacres at Tiananmen Square and elsewhere in 1989. She uncovered stories of mothers still searching years later for news of their murdered children. Now, she says, the propaganda machine has changed gear. Instead of rewriting history at home, the Chinese Communist Party is rewriting the present and for an international audience. Writing in Foreign Policy, she calls this a new front line in the global information war. The current issue may be the coronavirus, but the bigger battle, she says, is over who will control global flows of information, and it's over the future of journalism itself. The free press and our social media platforms which are both incidentally banned in China itself, are the target and the arena.
China's sophisticated long-term strategy, pursued since 2009, makes Russia's jimcrack mischief-making look like a sputtering larder trying to race a bullet train. The regime in Beijing has been systematically laying the foundations for influence over, and eventually domination of, the global discussion of anything related to China. It combines a mammoth state-sponsored media empire, clandestine efforts to manipulate social media through anonymous and bogus accounts, and cohorts of witting and unwitting accomplices. Tactics include buying lucrative advertising supplements in cash-strapped commercial news outlets and offering free content to broadcasters. Critical voices inside China are silenced. Those outside are intimidated. Some of America's most distinguished foreign correspondents were expelled in March, few noticed. The tone shifts with bewildering speed. One day the foreign ministry spokesman is tweeting anti-Western conspiracy theories. The next day officials are unctuously stressing the need for international cooperation. A good illustration of how this works in practice is the marginalisation of Tibet. The Dalai Lama used to be a welcome guest in Western chanceries. Now he's a pariah. On a recent trip to Europe, his most high-level public meeting was with a handful of brave Lithuanian MPs. Lithuanians remember foreign occupation and how the world overlooked it. The Muslim world has all but ignored the dreadful treatment of co-religionists in western China, or occupied East Turkestan if you prefer. Taiwan, which has dealt with the coronavirus far more humanely and effectively than the mainland state, is systematically excluded from international affairs. All this is part of a bigger and daunting picture. The veteran Singaporean diplomat Kishori Mahbubani has just published a new book called Has China Won? His analysis of the Chinese leadership's success is a bit glib, but his main point is that we in the West, and in particular the United States, have squandered our lead. Conceit, greed and short-sightedness have corroded our economic, political and social model. China's integration into our supply chain and the prowess of companies such as the telecoms giant Huawei make distancing, which we're used to when it comes to people in the context of the epidemic, exceptionally difficult. As Charles Parton, for decades one of Britain's top China watchers, notes, we do not have a strategy for dealing with China. But China has a strategy for dealing with us. Time is short. Look at the way the Chinese leadership treats its own people, and then imagine how they would like to treat us. This is Edward Lucas with the New Cold War podcast. You can find more about me, my books, and other publications at edwardlucas.com, or follow me on Twitter, at Edward Lucas. This has been a homegrown media production. For more on the New Cold War, please visit edwardlucas.com.